Welcome to A Seat at the Table, a podcast dedicated to highlighting the importance of cultural intelligence in the workplace and brought to you by MFHA, the Multicultural Food Service and Hospitality Alliance. We believe an inclusive business is a profitable business, so join us as we dive into practical advice on how you can communicate effectively with people from different cultural backgrounds. I'm your host, Jerry Fernandez, founder and president of MFHA. Well, welcome to Seat at the Table. I'm Jerry Fernandez, and I have with me today a longtime friend and colleague, Aisha Bascara. Aisha is the founder and CEO of the American Franchise Academy. Aisha, welcome to the show. Thank you, Jerry, for having me. It's good to see you and hear your <laughs> voice. And, you know, we've been separated because of this COVID-19. I haven't had a chance to get to one of my favorite cities, Atlanta. But why don't we start off uh, by you telling the audience a little bit about you, you your family, you know, where'd you grow up? How'd you get into this restaurant business that you and I love so much? Absolutely. I actually was born and raised in Guatemala, in Central America, for those of you that don't know where that is. Uh, my mother is from Guatemala. My father is actually Cuban. And because of his Cuban heritage, we have most of my family from his side in Miami. So all our lives, we flew back and forth and went to school in Miami and back in Guatemala. And uh, eventually I came to the U.S. to go to college. And after college, I opened a business, uh, a retail business that failed miserably. I was 21 years old. I, I was <laughs> in the fast track. And you know how they say fail fast? I, I did that. And I was 21. And I just wanted to get a job that would pay the bills and allow me to have fun for a little bit before I move on in my life. And as I'm thinking that, a pizza delivery driver drives in front of me with a car top sign. And I say, you know what? Delivering pizzas. How cool is that? Everybody's happy to see you and you're listening to your music all day long. And so I went and applied for the job. And my first job in the quote unquote restaurant uh, franchise world was delivering pizzas for Domino's. Wow. So you said you, you failed first and you failed fast. What did you fail at? Well, I had the re I, after I graduated, I, I had a little boutique. I was importing textiles and things from Guatemala. Ah. And at the time, I didn't know anything about uh, inventory or uh, uh, break even points or how to read a PNL or any of that stuff. So they teach you all these great things in school that do you absolutely zero good when you're running the business. <laughs> and so I failed within a year within, and I decided to close before I owed anybody any money. Well, that, that was smart. Uh, I'm, I'm sure the educators wouldn't, wouldn't want us to uh, say too many bad things about what we learn <laughs> in school versus what we learn in the real world. But you stumbled into Domino's. So tell me a little bit about the Domino's experience, and then I'm, then I'm going to follow up and ask you to tell us a little bit about franchising, what it is, why it's important. But, but first, how was that experience with Domino's? You know what? It was, it was amazing. Well, let me just say that by the time I left the organization, it was three months short of 20 years with them. So I started as a pizza delivery driver. Um, my goal was not to move up in the, you know, food industry. I, I didn't know, you know, like the misconception of, you know, food industry, you know, but, uh, then I realized that you could become a franchisee, uh, because they really, Domino's was a really great job of communicating that. And, and so I said, you know what? But to be a franchisee with them, you have to be a successful manager to be able to qualify. And so I said, okay, well, I'm, and that's when my the supervisor was always asking me to be a manager because he knew that I was doing much more than just being a pizza person. 
uh, a delivery person. And so I, I eventually decided to be a assistant manager. And by then I already did everything for my manager. So I was quickly within three months uh, promoted to general manager. And the goal was to be a general manager for a year so that I could apply and get the franchise for Domino's Pizza in Guatemala. That was my original oh. goal. I wanted to be a franchisee. But halfway through my year, Jerry, it was the franchise was bought and given to somebody else in Guatemala. Ah, so the opportunity you thought you were going to have disappeared. Exactly. So, so I'm going to come back to the, the, you could finish the domino story, but let's, you know, answer the basic questions. You know, how is franchising different from the other forms of business? Well, you know, I have a very interesting experience because I was in a non-franchise business before I went into the franchise world. And it, it's an amazing difference because when you see, when you have a franchise, when you buy a franchise, you are acquiring a proven brand. Something that you already know to a certain level, depending on the brand, of course, because there's different types of brands. But depending on the brand, you know, you already have a turnkey brand, right? Product, service, image. Anyway, so and so that's, you know, it's it is different from when you have your own business, because when you have your own business, you have to build your own brand and your own product and your own image and all that. And that's half the problem, which we're going to get into it uh, soon. And so. Uh, being in the franchise world, first of all, I didn't even know it was a franchise. I didn't know what a franchise was when I started delivering pizzas. And through that experience, I actually was working in a corporate store. And so they managed it as a corporate, you know, it's different when you run, go work into a corporate store than a franchise store. And you are have access to tremendous amount of information, which I think it was part of the reason why I ended up staying. And, uh, and it was fantastic. I learned they literally had the problem law statement taped to the wall of the office. And I, as a pizza delivery driver, could look at the PL. I could look at what the manager made as a bonus. I could, they, each of the assistant managers had their training plans taped to the office wall, the office door. They had, <laughs> and I knew that, you know, Joe, Peter, and Mary, I, I knew how far they were. I saw when they were finished their training and they went on to be a general manager. You know, it was all visible. It was all right there. And then everybody knows what to do. You know, with the franchise world, you have a specific, clear training process, operating manuals, uh, so dependable suppliers. You know, one of the things that I had to do when I had my own business, I was importing things from Guatemala. Can you imagine that? Yeah. <laughs> While it, when you own a franchise, you already have a proven supply system. I mean, there's so many differences, uh, Jerry. That's that's really good because I think people have a misconception sometimes about what franchising is. And what it's not, here you got to pay franchising fees to the headquarters. But what you just made clear was all these things that you don't have to do. You don't have to worry about the supply chain and where the product's coming from. You don't have to build the brand. There's already already a story or, or a good feel about that. Can you say more about what people might be misunderstanding about franchising? Absolutely. Uh, this is one of the things that I talk about when I do uh, public speaking. I talk about the misconception of franchising. When people buy a franchise uh, and they haven't done their homework, they believe that they're buying everything they need to be successful. And they're not. You're buying, you're acquiring a proven brand. And the way that I define a brand is you're buying a product and everything that comes with the product, supply chain, innovation, uh, support, right? And then you're also acquiring the service and the service procedures to duplicate that brand and the experience to the customer, right? All of that you're acquiring. You're also acquiring the image and the image is beyond the logo. It's the colors, it's the uniforms, it's the building, 
It's even the trucks that you're driving if it's, you have a business that has trucks, right? And then you're also acquiring national and regional marketing. The brand, the franchisor provides all that. It's amazing, right? Product, service, image, you know, marketing. I mean, and all that is already solved. But, but here's where the misconception comes. What you're not getting, you are not getting a business degree in franchise management. You're not uh. getting how to hire people, motivate them, inspire them, and retain them. You're not getting how to read a profit and loss statement and calculate your break-even point. You're not getting how to research where your money is lost in any manipulation or wasted that's happening. You're not getting your local store marketing plan. Mind you, the franchisor might be providing tools and resources for you to do your local store marketing plan, but they're not coming to your neighbors, knocking on their door and selling anything. That's you, you know? So that's the other half. That's what I call the other half of the business, right? So I call the brand and the brand systems and then the business and the business management systems, two completely distinct things. And here's what the challenge is. When you are a person that wants to be a friend, have buy a franchise because you think things are going to be simpler, they are. They are solving half the problem, but you've got to come with equipped with that business management side. And many people don't. And this is where the challenge is. This is why some brands close, which they're successful in a thousand or three thousand places, but in that one, they weren't. Why? One of the main reasons, not all of the only reason, but one of the main reasons is that these people are not equipped with that business management systems. So you teach them that stuff in in your academy. Is that right? Tell us how what you teach in the academy, how that works. Yeah, that's exactly right. You know, after over 25 years in the franchise world and with obviously a, a emphasis expertise in my side in the food industry, which I think is probably the most tough, the diff most difficult one, um, I decided to, my actually my plan was to take a sabbatical. <laughs> a one-year sabbatical, that was my plan. And uh, But then I started getting calls from people that realized that I wasn't working anywhere. And they're like, oh, are you a consultant now? Are you, can you help me? Can you, you know, relationships that I built with franchisees along the years. And I said, well, no, I'm actually taking a sabbatical. And then, but why don't you help me out? And I said, well, I don't even know what the consultant is or what they, they do. I know what our business consultants in the franchise world does. But then I realized that they were asking me the questions on the management side of the business. And the reason I knew how to do it was because I ran company restaurant, company franchise units in three and four brands, right? So I actually had the business side from the corporate training for Domino's. I ran 63 units in three states. For Popeye's, I had the whole company restaurants in Atlanta, you know? And so I had the ability and access to the business systems that the franchisors utilize in their company units. And so not only did I have the, the brand systems, but I also had the expertise of the business management systems because we were very disciplined in the company stores. And so with that, I would tell you that 75% of the questions I got, if not more, were about that, the management side. And so that's when I started becoming a consultant. And then, and then with time, I realized that the huge in, uh, need that there was. And rather than going back to the corporate world, like it was my original plan, I decided to start teaching and doing programs and one thing led to another. I said, you know what? Let me just formalize it. And here we go. Three years ago, the American Franchise Academy was born and uh, now we serve franchisees and 
not and, and not only franchisees, but we also um, have independent business owners that want the discipline systems in their restaurants, in their businesses, so that they can have the systematic results that franchising does without being a franchise. So how does it work? I'm a franchisee. I've been out there for, I don't know, two years, three years. Uh, you know, I'm doing okay, but I'm, I'm, I'm not really where I, I'm not doing what I, what I want. I, maybe I want to get another store. You know, I come knocking on your door. What, what are my options? How do you help me? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. First of all, yeah. By the time you come to us, you already know that you want to grow and you, you love what you're doing, but you understand that you're doing well with the brand. You can make the burgers, the pizzas, the car washes, the, you know, whatever businesses you have. Uh, but you, you are overwhelmed. You're working seven days a week. You're working 14 hours a day. You want to grow. You probably even have the cash, but can't even fathom the idea of having a second store because then you can't work 24 hours. And that's when somehow you find us and you realize that we talk about implementing systematic procedures so that the business can turn into a money-making machine. And so you call us and say, what do you have? And so what we do have is uh, programs uh, and by the way, we have them in Spanish and in English. And so this program is a six-month program where you do have video, uh, a video classroom where you can watch the lessons and the videos and download the tools and materials uh, whenever you want. But then once a week, you come to a coaching class with me. And we know we have other coaches still with me in which you are now getting your answers to all the questions you have. So you get all the knowledge in a pre-recorded sessions, like a university, like literally like a university. And then you come to the classroom and not only do you have now the ability to ask any question you may have, but now you're also hearing from other entrepreneurs, other franchisees, what questions they ask that 90% of the time you need the answer anyways. And the benefit is just amazing. And so it's a six month program. If after the six months, you already have all the materials, tools, if you still want to continue with the coaching, you can stay longer. Most do because they love the support, right? Uh, and so we've seen people go from two, three units to 17 because of it, you know, because of the knowledge and the systems. Let's take a quick break and we'll be right back. Multicultural Food Service and Hospitality Alliance is focused on advancing racial, ethnic, and gender diversity by supporting our member companies to create an inclusive workplace. By providing access to diversity and inclusion expertise, insights, education, and connectivity with the restaurant, food service, and lodging industry, your company can gain cultural intelligence and deliver improved business outcomes. When we refer to cultural intelligence, we mean having the knowledge, skills, and abilities necessary to effectively and appropriately engage people from different cultural backgrounds to deliver better business results. MFHA offers live and virtual trainings, consulting, products, events, and a wonderful membership program. We focus primarily on talent solutions, risk mitigation, and strategy development. Learn how your company can gain cultural intelligence by visiting mfha.net or email us at info at mfha.net. Join us. Become a member of the Multicultural Food Service and Hospitality Alliance. We'll support you on your diversity and inclusion journey. That's mfha.net. Aisha, let me ask a, a different question. Uh, as you know, we're still in the midst of this pandemic, uh, COVID-19. 
uh, and no one really knows what the next normal is going to look like. Is this still a good time to get into the restaurant industry? We know we have people saying, hey, so the hospitality has been hit so hard. Uh, I wonder if you think this is going to impact franchising or the growth of franchising or, or people wanting to get in the industry. What's your thoughts on that? You know, I think that the one thing that is constant in our lives, um, one of the things is food. We all eat, you know, and the way that we bring people, you know, closer to us is by sharing a meal. And I absolutely believe restaurants are still a great way to go. Obviously, you know, having a contingency plan <laughs> is important. And that's, you know, it's funny because one of the things that I did was do a contingency plan lesson in November of last year because of hurricanes and things like that. And one of the things that we did with our customers, as soon as I started getting a little bit sense of what was coming is change our training from just overall systems to just making sure that our businesses were viable. Our mission was save the business to save the jobs. And that was our mission. Literally every session we started with that mission. Save the business. Save the business to save the jobs. And we, and I, you know, we coach our clients, tell your employees, tell everybody that that's what we're doing and everything that you do is going to be for that. So there, there will be challenging times, but we've been through earthquakes. We've been through hurricanes. I was, I went through a hurricane in the Bahamas. You know, we've been through all kinds of different things. Now, obviously this pandemic has been huge, but you know, you still can put systems in place to keep your business viable. I tell you that not one of my customers, not one is closing their business, actually, except for one. But I told him to close it before we even had COVID. <laughs> and he wasn't listening to me. Finally, COVID hit. And then he finally decided to do the right thing. But he will come back next year stronger or better. So, but everybody else was able to stand because if you have this system, the management knowledge, you know, to bring your business to a viable level, even if it's break even, which is what most of them were at then you can overcome this and then be standing at the end. And and Jerry, the opportunities that are happening today between locations, between less competition, between the great brands that now have proven themselves through this, now you can choose better and you can win even faster as soon as you know things turn around, which they already are. So absolutely, the restaurant industry will always be a winner. You do need to have innovation. We absolutely have to learn the different channels to in increase your 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 revenue, delivery, catering, pickup, you know, menu variety, you know, which if you do that and you stand at the end, you're going to be a big winner. Watch the people that are going to win yeah. big. You know, uh, there's, there's a number of brands out there where their CEOs told me, he said, Jerry, we we uh, we had to change things, and because we had to change things, we figured them out, and we actually we figured them out better than we did before. So sometimes um, necessity is the mother of invention, which is a, an old term. I'm not quite sure where it came from, but I understand what it means. When you have to do something, you will figure out a way to do it. So so let's move on. You said you do this in English and Spanish. I'm just gonna assume that there's a pretty high percentage of your customers that come from underrepresented groups or what we've always called minority groups. Is that true? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, we serve anybody and everybody because for us, you're all entrepreneurs. And we, we say that we are in the business of protecting the American dream. That's what we do. Oh, I like that. Yeah. So uh, the American dream of business ownership, right? So you have the American dream of home ownership. We're protecting the American dream of business ownership. And that's what we do every day. 
And yeah, I mean, it, 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 it happens to be that a lot of minorities that are reaching out for help. And I, I guess because I am maybe, maybe because I'm Hispanic, I'm a Latina, they know it. They see me on photos and videos. They feel more comfortable. I don't know, but uh, definitely a, a big, a big part of our clients are minorities. So what, what percentage of women do you have? Uh, is this a, a, a sector that is could or is or should be more attractive to women? What's it like for women in, in franchising and what's your experience been with your customers? Do you, do you see, you know, a, a representative portion of your, uh, your customers as women? Right. Well, I would say that women are like 10%. It's not that many. Only 10%. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I wish there were more, but I think that represents what the franchise world looks like. Right. You right, know, right. and I don't know the statistics of that because I spend time teaching, not, you know, learning statistics, but I, I assume I'm, I'm, I assume that there's more, it's more, less than 10% of franchisees and business owners are women. And so mine are about 10%. And they, when they find me, trust me, they are so excited. How do they, how do they find you? We certainly hope this podcast is going to help with that. And that's one of the reasons you asked you to join us. But how do you find them? How do they find you? Yeah, well, you know, we have presence in LinkedIn, you know, clearly we have a, also presence in Facebook. And what we do is we, every month we do a master classes and we alternate uh, English and Spanish. And so we send invitations, you know, we use social media. Uh, we still, you know, we're still an early, you know, we're still a young company, right? Young organization. We're in our third year. And uh, the first uh, few years, it was a lot about referrals and people I knew and they will just, you know, refer us. And so we started getting into the next phase. People are going to see a lot more of us now, but we just basically announcing and letting people know when our next masterclass was so that that way they will get a feel for who we are and what we do, you know, and once they do the masterclass, they get invited into the program and uh, many of them take us on it. Good, good, good. How long does the masterclass last for? Yeah, it's a five day, one hour a day uh, masterclass. And in that, we just go through top line of all the systems you need to put in place so that you can turn your, your franchise into a money-making machine. And in there, we talk about the systems and business management systems that you need to implement so that you can not only become a successful franchisee, but a successful multi-unit franchisee. You know, we, we say that one franchise unit is a job, which is great if that's what you want. But a multi-unit organization is now an enterprise. And only a multi-unit organization will provide the financial and time freedom that most of us want. So you have domestic and international business. How do those two businesses differ? Yeah, our academy doesn't have borders. As a matter of fact, people that come from other countries benefit from hearing from people in the U.S. and vice versa because it's a different way of, you know, doing things, even though you'd be surprised how much is just the same, <laughs> you know, as a matter of fact, uh, you know, as we were approaching the COVID situation, uh, the fact that we had much more knowledge in the U.S., I was able to provide that knowledge to people outside of the U.S. Good, good. And however, we, because of the people outside of the U.S., we are able to get insights that we don't get in the U.S., and ideas and perspectives and ways of doing things. And people just, uh, the value of, of joining, you know, that classroom time is amazing. Yeah. So you've been in the industry a long time and you and I've known each other for a long time and I'm so happy to see how well you're doing. I remember when you first said, Jerry, I'm going to write a book. Mm. I'm like, yeah, I'd like to do that too. It just, I don't know, have the time. And you said, I'm taking a sabbatical. I'm doing. So as a woman, as a Latina, um, what have been the biggest obstacles in, you know, in your career to have to overcome? Um, and do you have any insights for any of the young people that might be listening 
uh, and not even the not so young people, anyone who's listening to say, hey, look, at I came here from, from Guatemala and, uh, you know, I had to uh, overcome some of the language barriers, I'm sure. I mean, how were you successful in, in this industry, even though we have so few women in franchising? Yeah, you know, and I have to say that I have had an amazing career, Jerry. You know, I started as a deliver, piece of deliver person. I became a training specialist. I lived in 14 countries with the Domino's Pizza, opening the first brand in, in Spain, the first Domino's in Dominican Republic. I supported massive franchisees across the world. Uh, and I moved up and then I became a director. I was in charge of regions. I when I worked for the COO at Domino's. I worked for the chief operating officer at Popeye's, you know. I mean, I have had really amazing opportunities. And I'll tell you that the, the two major barriers for me has been, like you said, language is one of them. And I would say the other one is cultural. You know, the fact that how we do things and how we, you know, we see things, I think are the two things that I, I think were the biggest barriers for me. And the things that were really helpful for me was the fact that I took ownership. Whatever job I did, whatever franchise or country I was in, I treated it like my own. Like, this is my business. If this was my business, what would I do? And I think that we need to take responsibility for the language and cultural differences. Like, like I never waited for somebody else to, you know, accommodate me. I would just have to remember, okay, they see me as, as different. And so I, and I, the way that I behave, the way that I talk, right? It's a little different, right? This, the space situation, I got to make sure that I have to keep the space away when we're like hugging and kissing in Latin America, right? And so, but think about it. Like I would be in, in the, in, I literally had a wardrobe for when I went to headquarters at Domino's in Michigan and a different wardrobe for when I was working in, you know, Colombia. And it's different, right? So I went to Colombia, we kissed, we hugged. When I was in, in the United States, I will have to keep in mind the business the space. You know, and being half Cuban, right? I am more Cuban than I'm Guatemalan, so I'm very boisterous and loud, and you know, and and that sort of thing. And people, people are like a little, you know, like okay, wait a second, who is, you know? So I think that, um, you know, those are the the barriers, and you know, I think that at the same time you have to know that from the perspective because if you know that and you're aware of it, you kind of manage it. But at the same time, look for the things that you have in common. Look at the things that are the winning things, right? What are the things that are going to bring you to the next level? And that is, for me, ownership of my job and what I do has been the key for success for me. So, Aisha, something we haven't talked about just yet and in preparation for this this call, one of the staff said, what about the money? You know, you know, I, I can't do franchising because I don't have any money. Uh, how do people get into this uh, if they're not... They don't have a rich uncle or a rich aunt to, to give them all the cash. Yeah, you know, great question. I mean, you do need to have some money. You don't have to have all the money. And that's one of the things that we actually share for those people that join the masterclass. There is an, a bonus session on access to capital. And one of the things that you need to know is that, you know, if you have like 20%, if you have been, you know, professional, make sure, you know, that you have saved a little bit of money here and there, like planning for it. I mean, I teach my kids about, you know, financial intelligence since they were seven years old. But with time and commitment, if you start saving money, if you have 20% of the capital you need to acquire a franchise, banks and small, you know, the SBA, Small Business Administration, will will support you on getting those loans. So access to capital, believe it or not, is one of the, the lesser challenges, assuming you've done the basic needs, right? And you took care of your credit score and all those things. That's important. 
you know, and so really 20%. Now, 20% of what? I mean, if you're going to buy a, a DQ, a Dairy Queen, right? That's 1.5, you know, million, depending if you, you have the, the location. But there are, there are um, mini franchise or micro franchises that you can get into to start and it doesn't cost a million dollars, right? It could cost two, three hundred. And if you only have, you know, if you can save enough and be, you know, diligent, uh, to get to, you know, 20% of that, then you will be able to get the cash for the rest. And so it is possible. You just need to know this. And many people, Jerry, sadly, they don't. They somehow think that they need to have a million dollars, you know, but you really don't. Well, there were other reasons why people uh, don't see themselves in franchising. And one of my, one of our customers was talking about his mentor group with, with he's got, you know, young Latino uh, boys that are in this and they don't think that this is a place for them, that this couldn't be, that people don't want them. Is, is that a legitimate barrier to business that people don't want you? Isn't it really just about how hard you work and, and showing up and being authentic and caring about people? I mean, address yeah. the, that if you could. There is a significant amount of, of marketing investment being done by all brands trying to reach minorities today and 20 years ago, right? It's always a part, okay, they, they do the marketing plan for attracting minority franchisees and a certain amount is to make sure that they can reach to those people, right? And so, no, brands want to grow. They don't care what color you are. They want to grow. What they do care is, are you going to be somebody that will protect their brand and that will manage it well and be successful? Because they don't want to have people that are not successful because it makes them look bad, right? So, Absolutely. They do want you, you know, and the moment that you understand and hear me, like if you're listening to this, please know if you are a minority, they do want you. And the moment that you hear and you really believe this, trust me, you're going to see evidence that that's the case. You know, you just have to do your part. And your part is take care of your finances, your credit score matters, you know, save some money. And believe me, they might even have special programs for people like you. Well, that's good. And, and, uh, that's helpful. I know that I, there were a lot of things that I had to learn the hard way and I had mentors and, 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 and people to help me along the way. Who, who were some of your mentors and, and how did they, uh, influence your career? You know, I have been so lucky and blessed on that end. I, I would tell you that pretty much every boss I ever had was a mentor to me. Even the bad ones, by the way. And this is where you need to understand that things don't happen to you, but they happen for you, right? And even from the time I was a pizza delivery driver, my manager, right, the manager of the of the unit, allowed me to do inventory, allowed me to do, you know, uh, uh, the paperwork, you know, and he did that because maybe he was a little lazy. I don't know. Or he knew that I wanted to do it, but he taught me. Right. Right. And so I, I didn't want to fold boxes all day long. I was, was what was considered the, the day driver, right? So you all I had to do was boxes and deliver pizzas. I'm like, no way. Anyway, so every boss, I learned from every boss along the way. Very few bad bosses. I have my favorites, obviously. Uh, actually, a Latina. Um, she was the vice president uh, for Latin America for Domino's. And I was working underneath her when I was traveling, the, you know, the, you know, the, the world. Uh, working for her and she was my lifeline to the world and she was an, she was a supporter and, you know, Francisca Fernandez is her name. Uh, she was amazing, you know, so I had people that not only did I learn from them, but that had people that actually supported me. Uh, and, you know, the CEO at Domino's when I, when I worked there for four years, he gave me the degree, the title of director of flawless execution. 
And he said, Aisha, if you ever wonder what your job is, is read your read your business card. So I literally, for four years, I was a director of flawless execution for company operations and franchise operations at the headquarters of Domino's, right? And he was not, you know, he was not a minority, but he believed in me. He trusted me and I stepped up. I stepped up, you know? Well, that's that's the beauty of our business. It's a people business. And if you do your part and show up and uh, show that you're willing to work hard and you want to learn. And I, I like the, the couple of things that you said, you know, as we come this and bring this time to a close, what advice do you have for young people who are getting started in, in their career in franchising? What do you think they should be doing? If I'm, I'm getting out of school now, I'm early in my career, and one day I want to be a franchise, but what should I be doing now to prepare myself for the, for the future? Mm. Yeah, I wish people said that they want to be one day a franchisee. I think it just happens to, you know, it just happens eventually <laughs> that they realize that that's a better way to do it, right? I would say, you know what? If you really want to, then you need to behave as such, you know? So if you really want to be successful, you need to behave successfully from day one, right? Um, and what you do today will matter 10 years from now. I mean, so many opportunities came to me without me even knowing. My reputation preceded me. I was invited to join and support the corporate, uh, the new COO at Domino's when I was in the Bahamas, but because people knew me and they called me and said, hey, would you come to Michigan and help us? Literally, I did the orientation for the new COO. He came from a different background. And at that point, I had left the Bahamas Corporation. Anyways, long story, but my, my reputation preceded me. What you do today, people will know tomorrow. And that's going to be very important. And so that would be number one. Take care of your finances. Don't be irresponsible. You have to be responsible because that will affect your future. Save money. Save money because that will give you that, that key money, that, that entry money is a key for the lock, right? Because you can have access to the rest of it if you have done all these three things. Then, you know, just have fun. This is a, this is an amazing, I mean, I have fun every day, Jerry. I love what I do. I love delivering pizzas. I love helping franchisees. I love making pizzas. I mean, what it, it, I love being able to be with people and make a difference in their lives, you know, and I, I love looking at P&L. I mean, I just love it. I think it's fun. It's not a job. It's fun. And if you see it that way, then you're going to do a great job, you know? And so that's what I say. Do what you love. Oh, wasn't that book? Do what you love. Money will come. It is so true. It is so true. Well, well, listen, you, 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 you remind me of how, how and why we first hit it off when I met you so many years ago at the Women's Food Service Forum. Uh, you sound like you still having just as much fun today <laughs> as you were then. Uh, you make me want to join you. So let me let me uh, summarize kind of what we covered today, and then uh, uh, we'll bring a session to close. I like the way you started off. You said that you 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 failed first. Uh, that you you tried to do the business thing on your own, non franchise didn't work out so good. Uh, but that you stumbled sometimes on opportunities. You stumbled onto the franchising, the pizza delivery thing, um, which started out as a short job, ended up being, you know, multiple year career changing event. You talk about the benefits of franchising is uh, buying a proven brand. Uh, you get product services, image and marketing, but you don't get what you teach at the academy is the business systems uh, management and the people management and the cost control. All the stuff that helps you squeeze dollars out of your your restaurant. So that's why I think your academy is such a smart, um, smart and a good move, um, not only for you but for people who go through it. So it teaches them how to make money. And, and a big challenge you said that you had in your career was language and culture. Um, but the good news is you got over it, and and you can get over these things if you take ownership, as you said, 
uh, and responsibility. Don't wait for people to come to you. You go to them and play offense. Uh, access to capital is there. So there's money out there if you want it, but but uh, don't go to the bank with nothing in hand. Start saving your money. You, you might, you know, save your 401k. You might even be able to leverage that to to get into businesses. But brands want to grow, and they are minority friendly. Um, I love this. You said things don't happen to you. They happen for you. You know, that's uh, it's an opportunity for us to take these good things and even the bad things, as you said, with your bad bosses to make that all work. Uh, I'm going to call you the director of flawless execution uh, from now on. Uh, I think this is, is, is such, such a wonderful way to think about your work. And if you want to be successful, you need to begin to behave successful. These are good insights for young people or even um, people who are career changing. You know, if you want to get it right, you know, you build your reputation, you know, one meeting at a time. The last things that you said was what you do now makes a difference. Um, you build your reputation, take care of the money, uh, take care of your money, save your money. The, the football players call it taking care of your paper uh, and have fun. I've loved my career. I love this industry. You can have a ton of fun. I've had a ton of fun with you, Aisha. It's great to see you again. Um, I'm looking forward to maybe sitting in on one of your master classes. Uh, and I wish you nothing but the best as we go forward. Thank you. I really appreciate it, Jerry. Uh, I love being able to share my thoughts. And, uh, you know, I really appreciate you. I met you in my first uh, Women's Food Service Forum session. Uh, and you were sitting uh, next to Cat Call, standing next to Cat Call. And I just came in and I said, every session I go, and this is part of the, you know, my last little bit. When I went to that conference, I said, in every session that I go, I will raise my hand and ask a question. And, and that's how when we connected, I think that's when you and Kat approached me after I did, after I asked the question. It's funny how I just said, I'm going to go and make the most out of this opportunity because it was an amazing way for me to open my eyes to a whole new world. After being with Dominus for 15, 18 years, it was the first time I saw so many people in different brands. Anyway, so raise your hand. And do something because then doors will open. Well, you are absolutely right. They got to take control of your career. You know, I have on my email signature a quote from a, a Frenchman, Voltaire. It says, judge a man or a woman by their questions, not by their answers. So uh, we got to know each other by asking good questions and not being afraid. Uh, again, as I said, I wish you all the best. And we're going to do all we can to help promote this. And I hope to have you back on another time in the future. So thanks, Aisha. Uh, have a great day. We'll talk to you again. One more thing? Yeah, yeah one more thing. If you anybody's interested in the masterclass, all you need to do is go to franchisemasterclass.com. And in there, you will see when the next one is because we always have a next one coming. So uh, just go to franchisemasterclass.com and then you will be able to see when the next one is. And hopefully you can join us. Great, great. Franchisemasterclass.com. All right, so there you have it. Um, uh, a seat at the table this week. Uh, our guest was Aisha Bascaro, the founder and CEO of the American Franchise Academy. Um, I look forward to seeing you all next time. Take care. That's our show for today. Special thanks to our listeners, and thank you for taking a seat at the table with us today. If you found our show to be valuable, please share with your network and leave us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcast, as that helps more people find the show. You can also subscribe for free so that you never miss an episode. A Seat at the Table is brought to you by the Multicultural Food Service and Hospitality Alliance and is produced by Dante32. Thanks.
Thank you for being a part of the conversation on our MFHA podcast, A Seat at the Table. Your insights, questions, and ideas are important to us. Let us know what you think about our podcast. And if you have suggestions for topics or guests for future shows, share them with us. We want you to have a seat at the table and join in on the conversation. Contact us at info at mfha.net.